السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين والصحابته أجمعين أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسائد الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد you may have noticed I'm standing today, and this is due to the importance of the topic and the discussion. First of all, we are discussing uh, in the month of Rabi'ul Awwal and discussing the blessed Mawlid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There can be nothing better to mention during these days than the blessed arrival of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And I would like to say at this point that Islam is during this month. Besides talking about the Mawlid itself, we discuss and we remember the general seerah of the Prophet And this is a time when people do pick up a book of seerah because we're reminded so many times. I'd like to mention, Islam is the seerah, the seerah is Islam. Islam is the seerah, the seerah is Islam. If we don't study the seerah, unfortunately, we won't understand Islam. And I'm very sorry to say, and I don't want to offend anybody, I'm directing it to myself. I feel personally, from everybody that's here listening at home, majority of us have not read the seerah completely. We might be praying for many, many years. We might have done 10, 20 hajj. We might have been giving charity to noble causes. We might be working for the cause of Allah in many different areas. In many different ways we might be helping out at the masjid but i don't think as a muslim community most of us have not read the seerah the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in its entirety maybe we start off we read a few pages but i don't think and do you know what that means that means a large part of islam we haven't understood because islam is the seerah and the seerah is islam what else is there? So you were hearing hadith, statements, but you need context to that. And what's happening, we've got all of these ahadith that we hear. But if we don't understand why it happened, where it happened, who it happened with, we're failing to apply. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. I'm hoping by the end of today, you will realize why it is imperative. It's fardun ayn, I would say. For any Muslim, to understand and love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to study the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because this is Islam. That's studying Islam. We're not telling you to study X, Y, and Z. This is Islam. And without understanding Islam, we will not be able to apply many of the ahadith and many of the rulings. And we have some of the problems that we have today. So I want to combine a few topics together. First of all, the seerah. Number two, the mawlid. And number three, we're going through generally as a country, globally as well, what we call Black uh, History Month as well. So I think these are issues which affect all of us. 
and we should all be talking about very openly. And alongside this, I'm going to be speaking about a woman. So I'll need some bodyguards because just in case somebody says, how dare you speak about women in the masjid? Some people, I don't know why, they give off this image of being anti-woman. Again, this happens when you don't study the seerah of the Prophet or even if some speakers choose to only speak about some topics, they give off this image that Islam's all about the man or Islam's all about one category of people. No, let's look at the seerah and we will understand inshallah. I want to speak about a woman today, a woman who doesn't usually get mentioned. She's not spoken about, but she's a woman unlike any other woman, not any other woman. She's a woman unlike any other human. This woman holds such a position. No human in the entire history holds the same position as this woman, because this is the only individual, only human, only person, only woman who was with the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam from the second he was born till the second he passed away with him all the time and even outlived him as well sallallahu alayhi wasallam there is no sahabi not even abu bakr or umar can claim this distinction we know khadija and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam were very close but Khadija only got to know the Prophet ﷺ from his age of 25 till 50, and then she passed away. Radiallahu ta'ala anha. Aisha radiallahu anha was very close to the Prophet ﷺ, but she got to know him after he was 50 till the age of 63. And then he ﷺ passed away. But this woman I'm going to speak about today is the first woman to actually carry the Prophet when he was born. And it is the only woman who stayed with him from that moment, from the blessed Mawlid till his last moments on earth. To set the scene, let's go back to Makkatul Mukarramah and understand where does this woman come from. She was born approximately 13 years before the Prophet. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is born in the year 570. She's born in the year 557. She was from Abyssinia, a black woman, a black African woman. Did you know this? This is the state. This is what I'm saying. If we don't know the seerah, we make some judgments. We might know some of the ahadith. There is no virtue over a white person, over a black person, and a black over a white person, or Arab. Over, we might, this is just words. What about the application? When you know, when you know the seerah, will you ever dare say anything derogatory because of somebody's skin color? You wouldn't because you know where this comes from. So this woman, she was sold, she was taken as a slave and sold in the slave market in the Sukul Uqad in Makkatul Mukarramah. And the father of the Prophet wasallam, Abdullah, went and purchased her. She was the only slave girl bought by the father of the Prophet wasallam. So I want you to imagine now, you've got the house of the Prophet wasallam. In that house, you've got three people, Abdullah, his wife Amina, and this third person who was only 13 years old at the time. And her name is Baraka. Baraka, that's the name of this woman, Baraka bintu Tha'raba. This is the young girl. Now, soon after Abdullah and Amina were married, 
Abdullah set out on a journey. As you know, the people of Makkah would go on trade journeys. They were two trade journeys. In the summer, they would go to Bilad al-Sham, to the land of Palestine and its surroundings. And in the winter, they would go to Yemen. Quran speaks about it. It was the summer months and Abdullah set off on a trade journey for business and he goes to Bilad al-Sham. And what happens when he left for Asham? He wasn't aware that his wife Amina was pregnant and she was expecting their beloved child, none other than our Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He wasn't aware. When he leaves on the journey, the mother of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sees a dream. And in this dream, she saw a light coming out from her stomach and lighting up the path all the way to the palaces of Asham, the Levant, Syria and its surrounding areas, Baytul Maqdis. Now remember, at that time, Abdullah is not in the house. The only other person in the house of the messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, at this time, two people, Amina and Baraka. Who was she? A black African woman. This is even before the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is born. She is in the house of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Amina said, Baraka, what do you think? I've seen a dream. And she said, hopefully it's news that you're going to have a very blessed child. She's the one who gave the first good news and consoled Amina and said, you're going to have a very blessed and noble child. Now Amina, during her pregnancy, she was longing for her husband. She wanted the dad to be present when the baby is born. So every day she would send Baraka to the place where people welcome back those returning from the trade journey. She would go to the end and she would wait. And by evening, she would notice he hasn't returned. Next day, he would, she would go again. And this continued until every single person that went on that trade journey had already returned and they realized that Abdullah is not going to come back. Abdullah has left the world and he has passed away. Who had to share that tragic news with the mother of the Prophet ﷺ? None other than this black Abyssinian woman, Baraka. Imagine a young girl, she had to come and share and break this sad news to the mother of the Prophet ﷺ that your husband is no longer coming back. She is the one who comforted her. She was the company of the mother of the Prophet ﷺ and she is the one who granted her consolation. Now, when the most amazing, the most momentous, the illuminous and the radiant day arrived, which day was this? The day of the blessed Mawlid, when our beloved messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam arrived into this world. Say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There is no better day for a Muslim than the day of the blessed Mawlid. When the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came into this world, remember who was in that house at the time? Amina and the only other person present there is this woman, this young girl, Baraka. She is present there. Baraka and the Prophet is born. The first person to carry Muhammad in their hands is none other than Baraka, this young girl, black Abyssinian African woman. She carries the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and then she cleaned him sallallahu alayhi wasallam and then she wrapped him sallallahu alayhi wasallam and then she handed him over to the mother Amina. Remember now there's three people in the house, Amina, Baraka and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. 
And now what happens on one occasion we find that Amina, Baraka and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam now later on they decide to go and visit the grave of Abdullah, her husband, the father of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As they went on the way, on the return journey what happens? At this time the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is only six years of age and Amina becomes severely ill. And when they reach to the place called Abwa, a six-year-old orphan who has already lost his father is witnessing in front of his own eyes in the middle of nowhere the passing away of his mother at the age of six. And who comforted him at this time? Who consoled him at this time? Who was his companion at this time? Who became his second mother? None other than the same girl, Baraka, the Abyssinian woman who became the second mother of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She is the one who carried him. And the mother of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam whispered to Baraka as she was dying. And she said, I'm dying now. I'm dying now. Take care of him as if he is your own son, as if he is your own child. Look after him and stay with him. And remember, she's only 19. Baraka is 19 years old now. It was her task and responsibility to comfort the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and to carry him and bring him all the way from Abu'a back to Makkatul Mukarrama. Where did they go now? They went and stayed with the grandfather Abdul Muttalib. And Baraka also moved in as well. So Baraka is the carer of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She is looking after him at the house of the grandfather, comforted him. And not only that, she stayed with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam throughout his entire life. Now, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, technically speaking, inherited her because she was her father's slave. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam freed her. He didn't keep her as a slave. And when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam reached the age of 25 and he got married to Khadija radiallahu anha, remember Baraka has been with him from day one. She didn't separate. She was always in the picture. A black Abyssinian woman acting as the carer, the nurser. She also nursed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as well. So she's the foster mother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Amina, Halima, Saadiya and Baraka also nursed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now what happens is when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam got married to Khadija, he introduced, because now he's got somebody else in his life as well. She's always been there. She can't just say like, leave me alone now. So now he's getting married. How did he introduce Baraka to Khadija radiallahu anha? He said, I want to introduce this woman to you. He said, Hiya ummi ba'da ummi. She's my mother after my mother. She is my mother after my, this is my second mother. My first mother passed away. This is my mother here, ummi ba'da ummi. This is how he introduced Baraka to Khadija radiallahu anha. Now Baraka, was getting old. She was 13 years older than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She did not get married. Why? Because she did not want any kind of disturbance, anything to interfere between her giving care to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said after he got married to Khadija, Oh Baraka, you've given your whole life for me. 
Now I want you to give your life, yourself some love and care. You go and get married. You go and settle down. And the, she said, no, I've given my entire life. I want to care for you. I want to look after you. And your mother gave me this advice and I'm going to carry it out. And the, she insisted that I, would, I don't want to ever leave you. Khadija radiallahu anha said to her that, look, I will find you the best person in Makkatul Mukarramah. And I take full responsibility for all of your wedding expenses. You've got nothing to worry about. On which Baraka said something really amazing. He said, Khadija, I never left him and he never left me. I have never left him and he never left me. But because of their insistence, Baraka accepted and agreed. Okay, you're insisting. I agree to go ahead. And Khadija radiallahu anha found a suitable man. His name was Ubaid ibn Zayd from the Khazraj tribe. And he was from Yathrib, Madinatul Mudawwara. This was before Islam, of course. And they agreed to get married. And they even had a child as well. Anybody know the name of the child? Who can tell me? What was the name of the child? Baraka and this man Ubaid ibn Zayd had. Anybody? No, that's coming later. Anybody know what's the name of the child? Ayman. Jazakallahu khairan. The name of the child was Ayman. And that from that day onwards, this woman is known as Ummu Ayman, the mother of Ayman. Who was Ummu Ayman? She was present when the Prophet ﷺ was born, present throughout his life, present when he passed away and also outlived him. She was never absent. The only human in the entire history to be with the Prophet ﷺ every moment of his life, every battle, every up and down, every marriage, she was there. And she was a black Abyssinian woman. Did you know that? And once you know, and he introduced to Khadija, this is my mother after my mother. This is my mother. He referred to her as her mother. Nevertheless, she gets married. They have a child called Ayman. Later on, Ayman accepts Islam. He even becomes a martyr as well. Her husband passed away before Islam. So Ubaid passes away. And then she moved in again with the Prophet ﷺ in the house of Khadija with Ayman. So now you've got Khadija, you've got Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Baraka is back in the house. Her name is now Ummu Ayman. And they've got a son called Ayman radiallahu ta'ala anhu who accept Islam later on as well. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam receives revelation at the age of 40. Iqra' bismi khalaq. As we know, where did he go? Whose arms did he go into? He went into the arms of Khadija radiallahu anha. The first woman to accept Islam was Khadija. But the second woman to accept was Ummu Ayman, a black Abyssinian woman, the second person and the second woman to accept Islam because she was there. She was always there in the picture. She was never absent. So she accepts Islam immediately. The Prophet saw her so dedicated to the cause of Islam and to the cause of Rasulullah And he was sudden that her husband passed away. He made a general announcement. He said, Man sarrahu an min ayman. If anybody wants to marry a woman from the women of Jannah, then that person should marry Ummu Ayman. He's even given glad tidings that she's definitely going to be in paradise regardless of her skin color. 
A person having a lighter skin color doesn't guarantee you Jannah on the day of judgment. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. At the end of the day, it's your deeds and your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She may have had a darker skin color, but she was connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what Allah looks at. Allah doesn't judge based on our judgments. This is the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now we find that, remember this woman, what lineage did she have? She was from Africa. She was a slave. She wasn't wealthy. Her lineage is unknown. She's an old woman now, 59 or 60 years old she is. And she's a widow. She's already been married. She's got a child from her previous marriage. And the Prophet says, whoever wants to marry a woman from the women of Jannah, get married to Ummu Ayman. Do you know who stood up for this challenge? And who accepted this offer of the Prophet None other than Zayd ibn Haritha, who's mentioned in the Quran, the adopted son of the Prophet who was also a slave in the past. And the Prophet freed him. Although he was almost 20 years younger than Ummu Ayman, but he knew who Ummu Ayman was. And he marries Ummu Ayman radiallahu ta'ala anha. After six years, the Prophet received prophethood. Six years later, their child was 17. Uh, when the Prophet left the world, we find that he, he was only 17 years old at the time. Zayd had a similar background, and we find that Ummu Ayman wasn't expected to have a child now in her old age. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it so that through the union of Ummu Ayman and Zayd ibn Haritha, they had another child. And who was this? Remember, Zayd was the beloved of the Messenger of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Prophet loved Zayd to bits. He would refer to him as his beloved. And then this union had a child. Who was that child? Usama bin Zayd, the beloved of the beloved of the Messenger of Allah. So now in the household of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you've got Hassan and Hussein, and you've got Zainab, you've got Umama, and you've got Usama bin Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhum. When it came time for the hijrah, remember she's old now in her 70s. She made hijrah in her old age, a very difficult journey. She didn't stand back, she said, I'm going to go. And she walked from Makkatul Mukarrama to Medina Munawwara. In an authentic narration we find that as she was going on this journey all alone, she was exhausted, she was thirsty, she was hungry. She had no water to drink, she became close to death. When it came the time for the sun to set, Ummu Ayman, this mentioned in the authentic narration, she saw a bucket coming down from the heavens. She says, I seen this bucket coming down from the heavens and it came right down to me. And then I saw there was a rope hanging and there was water in there. And I drank from it and I drank from it and I drank from it and I took the water and I poured it over myself. And it says that since that day, I have never experienced thirst. It is known regarding Ummu Ayman that she was fast on the hot days of summer intentionally and she would not feel thirsty. 
when she would go to Makkah in the scorching heat, when everybody's going into the shade, she would go and make the tawaf and she would not feel hot whatsoever after drinking that heavenly water which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted her. When she arrived to Medina Munawwar, remember 70 years plus, an elderly woman, when she arrived, her feet were all swollen. And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw her, all her face was covered in dust. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ya Ummah, Ya Ummah, oh my mother, Jannah is guaranteed for you. Second time the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam promised her Jannah. Oh my mother, Jannah is guaranteed for you. Ummah Ayman witnessed every battle of the Prophet On the battlefield, she would go and she would apply bandages to those who were wounded. And also what she would do, she would stand at a distance and she would not take a glance off the Prophet Just like a mother would watch her child in the playground to ensure that he doesn't get bullied. She was the second mother. She would not take a glance of the Prophet to ensure that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was safe. And we find in the battle of Uhud, she also is one of those who grabbed the sword to go and defend the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Her life was a life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when um, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would look at this Abyssinian woman, Ummu Ayman radiallahu ta'ala anha, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would say, Hadihi baqiyatun min ahli. This is all I have left of my entire family. This woman is my whole family. I don't have anybody left. I don't have a father. I don't have a mother. He didn't have any siblings. He would refer to her. This is the entirety of what's remaining of my family. He would call her Ummi Ba'da Ummi, mother after my mother. He would call her Baqiyatun and he would call her Ya Umma, my mother. And every single day, Wakana Yazuruha Kulla Yawmin. The hadith mentioned every day, a day would not go by without the Prophet visiting Ummu Ayman. He would make a point to go and visit her every single day. One day he visited her and he said, Ya Umma, Kaifa Haluki. Oh my mother, how are you today? And she says, As long as Islam is good, I am good. If there's a problem, Muslims are suffering, there's an issue with Islam being attacked somewhere, then I'm not well. But as long as Islam and the messenger of Islam is good, I am good. And this is showing her dedication to the cause. She never complained. She never complained and she continued going and they enjoyed a very special bond and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam she was very affectionate towards him. Anas ibn Malik who says she was, she was extremely motherly. Many a times you would be eating and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would not eat as much. Even in his old age, she would come round just like a mother would come. She would take the morsels and she would put them in the blessed mouth of the blessed Prophet And she would say, eat, 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 just like a mother would say to the child to eat. And overall, she was very quiet. But she was one of those that would make the Prophet laugh. 
she originated from Abyssinia. Arabic wasn't her first language. So when she would speak, sometimes she would struggle to pronounce certain words. And sometimes she would say things and the Prophet ﷺ would laugh with her and say, Oh mother, you've got a very rough tongue. And they would have this bond of joking with one another. So one time she came to the Prophet ﷺ, instead of saying, Salamullahi alaykum, she came and said, Salam la alaykum. Salam la alaykum. Like no salam upon you. And the Prophet said, Mother, what are you saying? For you, you should just come in and say salam, that's it. You just stick to salam. This is the, this is the kind of relationship that they had. On the day of Hunayn, when the enemy was in front of the Muslims and people were screaming to them and saying poetry, and the Ummu Ayman standing in the back and she's trying to encourage the Muslims. And instead of saying, Thabbat Allahu Aqdamakum with a tha, Thabbat Allahu Aqdamakum, may Allah keep your feet firm. She was saying, Thabbat Allahu Aqdamakum. Like some of our people are saying, saying, Subhanallah, they say, Subhanallah. Okay, so she's saying, Thabbat Allahu Aqdamakum. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam laughed and turned around to her and said, You have a very rough tongue. You just stay where you are. You don't need to say anything. You've got a very rough tongue. So this is the joking kind of connection that they had between one another. One of the famous stories we hear once Ummu Ayman came to the Prophet and said, Oh Prophet of Allah, please give me a camel I need to ride on. And the Prophet said, Okay, I'll give you a baby camel. He said, I don't want a baby camel. How can I ride on a baby camel? I want a proper camel. And he said, I'll give you a baby camel. No, I want a proper camel. And then the Prophet said, Isn't every camel the baby and the child of another camel? It doesn't matter if he's an old. So this is the sense of humor that they shared amongst themselves. Ibn Abbas So the Prophet his entire life, this woman is there. Now it's a miracle. It's a miracle that a woman who was there, who carried him when he was born, was present with him throughout his life. When the Prophet ﷺ passed away and left this world, it's a miracle that she didn't pass away. She didn't expire just upon hearing this news. But one thing did happen. She became very quiet and very silent and very secluded and very withdrawn. And when people buried the Prophet ﷺ, she just stood back and watched all the scenes unfold. The, the bathing and, and, and they saw the, the, the burial and the janazah. She just stood back and she was reminiscing the moments of the Prophet ﷺ. Remember, she witnessed the death of every person that came into her life. First of all, she was taken away from her own parents. And then she saw the death of Ayman in the battle of Hunayn. She saw the death of Zayd ibn Haritha. She saw the death in, in, in the battle of Muta. She saw the death of the Prophet She saw the death of her son Usama ibn Zayd. And she reached the age of almost a hundred years. And every person who came into her life, she saw them leaving as well. And then she lived throughout the whole Khilafah of Abu Bakr anhu, also throughout the period of the Khilafah of Sayyidina Umar anhu. And we find that 20 days after the assassination of Umar ibn Khattab anhu, she passes away. One day Abu Bakr and Umar anhu recited, just like the Prophet would go and visit Ummu Ayman, uh, let's go and visit her. And they went and visited her. And when they sat down, she started to cry. And they thought she's crying because the Prophet ﷺ has passed away. So they said, Mother, look, 
The Prophet ﷺ has gone to a better place than the world. Over there, he will be in much better condition than he was in the world. Don't you know that Allah has got something better in store for him? So she replied by saying, Abu Bakr and Umar, that is not why I'm crying. I know that what Allah has in the hereafter for him is much better than what he has here. Why are you crying then? He said, I am crying because the direct connection we had with the heavens, to the revelation, the Quran and Jibreel coming down regularly, that chain is now broken now. That chain is now broken now. We all believe from the belief of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, the belief of Khatmun Nabuwa. After the Prophet wasallam, there is no Prophet to come. He was the final of all Prophets. And they all three of them now started to cry because they knew that we will no longer have this direct connection with the heavens that we had. Can we see the position the Prophet ﷺ gave this black woman in our history? If we know this and we study the seerah, would we dare ever tell our children not to play with those children just because their skin color is different? Would you be walking down the street with your child and if you were to see a black person, you hold that grip a little bit harder just because in your mind when you were young, your parents told you something about people of a different skin color. Would you do this? When you know that the second mother of the Prophet ﷺ was a black Abyssinian woman and this is the position the Prophet of Allah gave to her. And then when the Prophet ﷺ in the, in the Hajjatul Wada, when he said there is no virtue of a white person over a black person and a black person over a white person. When you study the seerah, now you can put it into context. He didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk as well. He practically demonstrated to you and I that there is no such thing as discrimination, racism in Islam. Why is it that we've got African brothers coming to our masjid and our communities and they complain that when we make salam, nobody says wa alaykum salam to us. When they walk into the masjid, why are they? Be, I'm not saying it necessarily happens in this masjid, but generally this is a general complaint. Why are we treating people differently just because of their skin color? This is not Islam. This is not our religion. This is not what Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam has taught. Why are we? I'll tell you why. And this is a month of reflection. This is happening because of our ignorance. And in the days of ignorance, what came? The Messenger Wasallam came and he was Noor. He was light, the light of guidance, the light of knowledge. And today we have this, it's called the Blessed Seerah. Read the Seerah, study the Seerah, understand the Seerah and the biography and the life of the Prophet Wasallam. Your dimension will change. Your outlook on life will be changed. Your application of Islam, you'll understand the Quran and the Sunnah so much better because it will give you context. You will understand how the Prophet Wasallam pra practically applied all of these scenarios in his life. We can see the honor given to this woman in Islam by the Prophet Wasallam when she passed passed away when she put this narration that mentions when she finally passed away over the age of 100 they buried her in Jannatul Baqi but they ensured that her burial position is in such a way that she's facing towards the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam throughout her whole life she was glancing towards the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam every second and moment of his life 
and even when she has gone and lying in her grave, there she lies looking towards the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We also need to direct the compass of our hearts towards Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, towards his seerah. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala enlighten us with the sunnah and the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is a month of the sunnah and the seerah. Let us try and study the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and become close to him. May Allah elevate the status of Ummu Ayman radiyallahu ta'ala anha wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.